Chapter twenty five of the Life and Adventures of Michael Armstrong, the Factory Boy. This is a LibriVox recording. Chapter twenty five. The narrative returns to its hero and relates why and wherefore he was kept alive. The boy grows tall and takes to thinking. The answer which Fanny Fletcher had received to her inquiries concerning Michael was as false as it was heedless. The little fellow who gave it had no intention of uttering what was untrue he believed that the boy she inquired for was dead so many had died and been born from the wretched garret where he had himself lain battling with the fever sometimes delirious and sometimes asleep that it was no great wonder he should blunder but michael armstrong was not dead though the state in which the malady left him was such that for weeks the surly old woman hired to supply the place of mrs pullet muttered curses on him for not being in a state to be quietly buried out of the way like the rest it was just five days after fanny fletcher left the deep valley mills in company with miss brotherton that michael waked from that first sound healing sleep which often announces the conquest of life over death after a hard-fought struggle between them the little fellow raised himself upright on his straw pallet and for a minute or two looked about him to make himself quite sure where he was for so heavy had been his sleep that it was not immediately his senses could recover their usual powers of perception but only too soon alas he made it all out he was still in that foul den of misery and filth and the first impulse of his fully recovered intellect was to utter a bitter expression of regret that his life had been spared for further suffering while so many had been mercifully permitted to sink into their peaceful graves but even as he breathed the words he repented of them the image of his mother seemed to rise before him he remembered that she had bade him ever to trust in god and let no cause tempt him to take his name in vain the quiet eye of his much enduring brother rose to his memory as he had seen it a thousand times fixed upon him while he enjoined patience and submission for their dear mother's sake and the more recently heard precepts of little fanny all preaching the same righteous but hard lesson came in their soft pleading innocent tone to give him strength to bear michael crossed his emaciated hands upon his breast and murmured god forgive me then dropping again into a gentle sleep awoke not till the old woman shook him rudely rather for the gratification of her curiosity than in performance of her duty in order to see whether the wiry hard-skinned little varmint wasn't dead at last she started with a feeling very like terror when the boy opening his large eyes upon her asked her to please to be so kind as to give him a drink of water what then you don't mean to die after all if you beant born to be hanged it's a mystery water if you haven't got summat in it after lying this fashion the lord knows how long you'll balk the hangman at last and with these words the crabbed crone retreated hastening with the consciousness of having something wonderful to tell into the presence of mr woodcomb there's a boy sir as have been lying a dying almost ever since i comed as is actually coming too now not but what he must still be within an inch of the grave seeing what he has gone through and he looks for all the world as if he had been buried and dug up again howsomever i don't think but what he might come through if so be as you thought it worth while to give him food that sort of sleep as i waked him out of shows plain enough as the fever is gone and then you know sir as kitchen psychic is all the creatures wants perhaps for the sake of preventing the burying beginning again your honour might think it was well to give him a little broth and me too after a bit for he won't do without it that's certain i had clean forgot that there was one left up there molly replied the superintendent but in heaven's name let him be fed woman 
i wouldn't have to bury any more of em just now for ever so he'll come round again i suppose before it's very long we are still very short of piecers and it's as well to keep em alive you know as to go after another as for that sir replied the old woman it won't be to-morrow nor next day either as he'll pay for his salt i'll tell you that beforehand so you had best please to make up your mind at once about the keeping him alive there's nothing will do it but giving him almost a bellyful every day and maybe a little fresh air into the bargain i'm thinking seeing the time he's laid stewing up there with such lots dying all round him if it wasn't for the having to open ground for him again i'd be hanged drawn and quartered before i'd trouble myself about what sort of air a prentice had to breathe howsomever i have got my own reasons for not choosing to trouble the parson again nor yet for doing the job without him so cram the brat as much as you like i suppose my leavings is good enough for him please master not to talk of my liking to cram prentice brats retorted molly often and often as i've been back and forward here for one job or another nobody ever saw me trying to pilfer anything for their starving stomachs the low creatures i despises em too much but i knows what will save life and what will lose it better maybe than most folks and so now you may do just as you please without putting it upon my likes or dislikes don't be so frumpish molly bing replied mr woodcomb laughing there's nobody going to charge you with being such a fool as to make a pet of a factory prentice while there's a puppy dog to be had for love or money don't you be scared at any such notion as that for i knows ye a deal better old woman than to put any such affront upon ye you just stop the creature from dying if you can for that will suit me a deal best just now the will of mr woodcomb thus clearly expressed was acted upon with very implicit obedience the consequence of which was that michael armstrong was not only saved from death but his constitution greatly benefited molly bing had pledged her judgment upon the result of his case and in order to prove it correct she contrived that he should swallow about ten times as much nourishment as fell to the share of any other child in the mill he had grown surprisingly during the period of his confinement and this gave so lengthy a look to his thin person that molly more than once fancied the audacious little villain would give her the lie at last so she not only fed him but got leave for him to clean out the pigsties scrape up the filth from the yard and sundry other jobs of the same description all of which however unsavoury in their nature bore as the sharp-witted old woman well knew the balm of health in every moment they enforced compared to the monotonous and grinding slavery of the mill but in the course of a month or two another glorious proof of england's prosperity reached the deep valley in the shape of a large order and mr elgood sharpton in communicating the cheering intelligence to his manager enforced the necessity of strenuous exertion in the execution of it by telling him that sick or well the children must work long hours and that it was far better that they should a little overwork the hands than run any risk of disappointing so valuable a customer in consequence of these instructions michael was withdrawn from his outdoor labours and once more made to follow the mules it was then and then only that he discovered the heavy loss he had sustained by the departure of fanny while employed upon the out-of-door tasks assigned to him by the commands of molly bing he had been strictly enjoined never to speak to any of the apprentices who might chance to pass while he was at work his meals were eaten in mr woodcomb's kitchen and the place assigned for his lodging by night was a sort of closet that opened from it no day no hour had passed unless in sleep since he recovered his senses without his thinking of her 
at the risk or rather with the certainty of cuffs and hard words no footfall had ever passed within his hearing without causing him to turn his head to reconnoitre and much as he preferred the labour on which he was now employed to that of the mill he would willingly nay joyfully have exchanged it in the hope of again seeing his little friend it was therefore with a feeling of gladness instead of regret that he received orders to turn into the factory that is queer thought the little fellow as he bounded to obey the command with the double energy of recovered health and awakened hope it is queer for me to feel glad that i am going back to the factory as it happened he was marshalled into the same room in which he had worked before his illness but alas when he turned his eyes to the spot which fanny had formerly occupied near him a singularly ill-favoured boy met his gaze instead of the pretty creature he sought for this was a death-blow to the joy which a few minutes before had given him a gait and an expression of countenance so unwanted in a factory boy returning to his well-known sufferings nevertheless though a tear blinded the eyes which at length settled reluctantly on the broken threads which awaited his fingers he remembered that the factory had seven floors and cruel as it was to lose the pleasure of giving his little friend a look or a word as they each paced their weary walk he still thought he might get a sight of her at their dismal meals and fancied that he should not greatly regret exchanging scraps of wholesome meat for musty oatmeal provided fanny fletcher was by to tell him not to mind it but the musty oatmeal came all too soon for no word or look of fanny's came with it nor did any uncertainty long remain on which to hang a lingering hope that some unfinished task detained her in the mill and that he should see her soon his first question whispered to the girl who sat beside him brought forth the history of fanny's wonderful departure at as full length as the time and place would permit at first he listened to it with incredulity it seemed he thought like a story made up to deceive him for fun and little as the blighted young spirits of that sad fraternity were given to jesting michael clung to the belief that such was the case as long as the meal lasted but as usual a few minutes followed during which they were left alone an indulgence which necessarily arose from the fact that even the niggardly allowance of time awarded by the regulations of mr elgwood sharpton for their meals was more than the famished children required for devouring the scanty portion set before them no sooner had mr pullet withdrawn himself after witnessing the orderly consumption by each of the allotted morsel then such of the miserable crew as had survived the pestilence and remembered the close alliance between michael and the heroine of the marvellous tale which was still in every mouth all rushed together towards him for the purpose of recounting it notwithstanding the confusion of tongues their noisy testimony was too consistent to admit of doubt and michael remained with the astounding belief that his little friend was taken away to be made a great lady of the heart of michael armstrong proved itself to be a very generous one on this occasion some natural tears he shed but wiped them soon as he remembered that the more miserable the situation in which he was left the more he ought to rejoice that fanny had been taken away from it and he did rejoice truly sincerely and at the very bottom of his heart did he rejoice as day after day the hateful routine of unvarying suffering again laid its grasp upon his existence with a power as irresistible as that of the vast engine which within those prison walls seemed lord of all the generous heart of michael felt thankful that fanny fletcher shared in it no longer it had been quite in vain that he had laboured to persuade himself while listening to the reasonings of his little friend that they ought mutually to rejoice in the probability of each other's death though he had allowed that as far as he was himself concerned he might easily be brought to think that it would be a comfort to die 
he could never reach the pitch of sublimity necessary to perform the wish that fanny might die before him but now it was evident that this weakness which had more than once caused his little monitress to shake her head and say that he did not love her as well as she loved him it was now quite evident that it was no selfish motive which had caused it by degrees this truly noble feeling this generous power of living as it were in the prosperity of another so strengthened the character of the boy as perfectly to save him from that worst result of youthful suffering a reckless desperate despair which by destroying hope that beautiful mainspring of all our best actions leaves the poor spiritless machine alive only to the wretched consciousness of its capacity for pain it is beyond all question this bitter hopelessness which deteriorates in so remarkable a manner the moral character of operatives under the present factory system in no other situation excepting only that of slaves purchased and paid for like an ox or an ass is the destiny of a human being placed so wholly and completely beyond the reach of his own control he is as wordsworth truly says a slave to whom release comes not and cannot come in no other situation do labouring men women and children feel and know that unless they submit in all things to the behest of their employer they must die and that too by a process ten thousand times worse than either the hangman's cord or the headman's axe they must die the death of famine if their lingering hours of labour be prolonged beyond the stipulated time for which they are paid they cannot turn and say i will not for it is not in the bond for the ready answer is go we employ none who make conditions with us and where are they to go to the parish officers as ready an answer meets them there go we relieve none who can get work and refuse it if they are fined however unjustly however arbitrarily if the iniquitous truck system be resorted to for payment of wages instead of money if their woman be insulted or their children crippled and remonstrance follow the same death-dooming reply awaits them go we employ no grumblers here then to what quarter can they look with hope where are they to find that only elixir by which the human strength is mercifully made for ever equal to sustain human suffering this sparkling draught is not for them the factory operative alone of all to whom god has given the power of thought is denied the delicious privilege of hope it is this which degrades their nature it is this which from youth to age renders one ruinous hour of brutal debauchery more precious than all that steadfast sober industry can promise or bestow it was long very long ere this intellectual blight this smothering mildew of the soul fell upon michael for he seemed to possess a sort of twofold existence the worser half of it being his poor self while the better was found in the happy destiny of fanny countless were the miles that he walked backwards and forwards before the mules during which he cheered his fancy by painting her in the midst of liberty and green fields sometimes he thought that if she were rich she would remember all he had told her about his mother and edward that she would find them out would take compassion on their poverty would talk of him would soothe and comfort them all this may seem to happier beings but a frail support under incessant labour accompanied by every species of privation yet it did michael service it kept his faculties alive for it gave a theme and a pleasant one on which to fix his thoughts and half the tedium of his own sad life was forgotten as he meditated on the probable happiness of hers sometimes it must be owned though he always told himself that such thoughts were nonsense 
ideas would suggest themselves less abstractedly disinterested for it would now and then come into his head that fanny fletcher knew where sir matthew had sent him if nobody else did and that perhaps if she grew to be a great girl with power to do what she liked she might think of him and try to do something to rescue him vague as was this notion vague as he himself felt it to be it was a blessing to him when such thoughts arose his bodily strength seemed to revive his aching knees no longer bent under him his gait was no longer that of an ordinary factory child the energy of his mind lent itself to his limbs and wearily as he stretched himself upon his bed of straw and long and lanky as his half-starved person grew michael armstrong did not become a cripple but years wore away and the stout-hearted young prisoner of the deep valley began to think again that he had better have died of the fever than have lived so long hoping for some happy chance to set him free and hoping for ever and for ever in vain i am a fool argued michael at fourteen i am a fool for thinking so very much of one who it is quite plain has never thought of me nor of mother nor of my poor edward either she never gave a thought to either of us i was a fool to dream it the fine folks that carried her away took her far enough from sight and sound of factory people and who can blame her if she never turned her head back again to inquire about any of them poor little fanny she was very kind to me once and she was the very prettiest little girl that ever i happened to see but other people may have found that out by this time as well as i fanny fletcher is a whole year older than me i will try with all my might and main never to think of her any more this resolution was not very steadily adhered to but the struggle to do it which was perfectly sincere made the poor boy moody and more miserable than ever his dreams perpetually represented to him his mother and helpless brother suffering from some unkindness from fanny whom he saw superlatively beautiful and superlatively rich but more superlatively hard-hearted still these nervous and irritating visitations brought his mother and brother so vividly before him that for weeks he could never whether waking or sleeping get them out of his head he fancied himself again running at full speed from dowling lodge with martha's basket on his arm his mother's little room decent and orderly in spite of poverty came back upon his mind as if he had left it but yesterday he saw the soft expression of her faded countenance and felt the welcome of her fond embrace oh fool oh proud and wicked fool he murmured to his tear-stained pillow as these and a thousand other tender recollections pressed upon him why could i not endure the tyrant's cruelty i might have kissed her now i might have comforted poor teddy the sound of his own voice as he pronounced this dear familiar name though in a whisper too low to awaken the weary sleepers round him wrung his very heart by the vivid recollections which it brought and though he was now beyond fourteen years old he cried himself to sleep fitful and feverish were the transitions of his mind at this period sometimes he persuaded himself that his mother was no more that the loss of him had broken her heart and that she had died believing him to have gone before her at other times it was edward whom he wept as dead his shattered health his feeble limbs were as he thought sure evidence that nature meant him not to struggle long against the misery of his lot and there were moments in which this persuasion even soothed him sweet fellow thought he how calm and beautiful he must have looked in death even in suffering even in agony his countenance was lovely so patient and so heavenly mild 
better far better he should die than live a factory boy like me and then again his mood would change and he had for ever before him images of the most fearful destitution his mother starving and edward slowly perishing beside her because he had been too proud and too impatient to endure sundry buffetings and other indignities which when put in competition with the thought of having injured them dwindled into petty injuries which he deserved eternal shame for shrinking from dreadful were the hours he thus spent and fearful to think of was the hopeless helpless joyless comfortless existence by which he held to earth his very soul sickened as he looked around him and read in every withered melancholy face the history of blasted youth and the prophecy of premature death but there are spirits which sorrow and suffering cannot quench and michael armstrong's was one of them nature and accident together had been stronger than the tendency of his employment to cripple his limbs and he was neither deformed nor stunted this happy exemption from the common lot was doubtless greatly owing to the pertinacity of molly bing in proving to messrs woodcomb and pullet that she was no fool and knew well enough what she was about this steadfastness on her part acting in unison with the superintendent's judicious objections to michael's being buried at that particular time had certainly given a very critical and efficient impulse to the vigour of a frame of great natural strength and comeliness the energetic self-sustaining soul within it had also much to do in defying the paralysing influence of his miserable situation it was rarely that michael could be seen to drag his limbs along even in the last hours of long protracted labour with the same crippled dipping gait as his companions a broken-spirited child when his knees are aching permits them to bend under him and not one in fifty perhaps of the half-starved overworked apprentices of the deep valley reach the term of their captivity without carrying away with them some species of bodily weakness or deformity but let the reason be what it might michael was saved from this and though exhibiting a fabric composed of little besides skin bone and sinew he was at the age of fourteen years and six months both tall and straight but it seemed as if the inward strength of mental suffering kept pace with this vigour of frame for day by day the bitter consciousness of his own wretched and degraded state increased upon him and day by day his swelling heart grew more indignant as he looked around him and watched the exercise of lawless power and a coward tyranny upon his miserable companions it was after a peculiarly hateful display of this power by an act of insult too disgusting to relate upon the unresisting person of a little fellow who seemed crawling only too slowly to the grave that michael when every other sufferer in the chamber was fast asleep set himself to meditate gravely and deliberately upon his own situation he had that day been so near trying the power of his bony arms by flying at the throat of the ruffian who had so revoltingly outraged his companion that with more than boyish judgment he became conscious of the growing danger that beset him though he had felt almost to suffocation the boiling rage which nothing but injustice and the pitiful abuse of adventitious power can generate he was not such a quixote as to hope that his arm could effectually redress the wrongs he witnessed yet he thought with a sort of trembling exultation that if he had seized the craven overlooker as he kicked from him the helpless object of his tyranny he might have held him with a grasp that would have stopped his breath for ever it was a horrid and murderous thought and poor michael once the gentlest fondest little heart that ever nestled to a mother's bosom did penance for it by a pang of self-condemnation that made him grind his teeth in agony 
yet even then the goaded spirit seemed to rise in rebellion against its own remorse i cannot bear it he exclaimed in smothered accents as he turned his face towards his bed of straw i know i cannot bear it long i have seen two attempting to escape who have been brought back to frightful tortures to i know not what a solitary cell the whip the knotted thong what matters would they could slaughter me at once all would be over then for a long still hour of that feverish night the boy lay sleepless a terrible conviction that there was something within him which might prove stronger than himself stronger than all his mother's precepts and the holy fear of god which they had left upon his mind made him feel sick with horror and shudder in abhorrence of his own wickedness he prayed to god to give him power to turn his thoughts from this and soothed to calmness by the healing act he meditated without passion and with great acuteness for his years upon the probable result of attempting to escape the difficulties of the enterprise were greater than any can imagine who know not the locality and the intricate network of security which surround the imprisoned apprentices of deep valley on all sides of this the elder children and the few who lived to approach their majority were by no means ignorant considerable pains were indeed taken to impress upon their minds the certainty of their being caught if they succeeded in clearing the walls together with the important fact that as apprentices it was illegal to assist them in running away from their master and that it was the duty of every justice of peace to assist in securing and sending them back to complete the term fixed in their indentures all this michael knew perfectly well neither was he at all sanguine in his hope of avoiding the toils from which he had never heard that any had escaped yet he determined to make the attempt assuring himself that no change in the treatment he received could render him more miserable and sincerely thinking that it would be better and safer for him should the failure of this desperate attempt lead to such a degree of restraint as would render the yielding to such violence of emotion as had that day seized upon him impossible having come to this conclusion and firmly pledged his young spirit to the attempt his feverish restlessness subsided and he dropped asleep the waking of the next morning was unlike any he had ever known before he no longer felt as one among a miserable crew sharing in common with them starvation labour and indignity he felt himself to be one alone and apart from all he was on the eve of doing that which would involve him in difficulties and dangers altogether new and strange to him and the only termination he could be really said to expect was the being dragged back to his prison to suffer all that it was in the power of his tyrants to inflict these were strange materials for meditation which was decidedly agreeable yet such michael felt it to be in spite of reason a sensation of active dauntless courage swelled his breast which with all the danger it threatened was well worth the heavy monotony of his ordinary existence at times too a gleam of hope would dart across the stern and steady gloom of the prospect and during the moment that the flash lasted he saw himself restored to his mother and edward he could hardly be said to hope this yet the feeling that it was possible sufficed to sustain his spirits through the days and nights which preceded the attempt it was exactly by the same exit that poor crazy sally had made use of some fifty years before that michael determined to leave the premises the month or two during which he had been employed in cleaning the yard and its appurtenances had made him thoroughly well acquainted with the outward door and also with the region immediately beyond it for it was thither that he was accustomed to convey all the rubbish which it was his office to remove 
an office which might have been attended with some danger of the escape of him who performed it had not those in authority taken care to inform him that no celerity of step could avail against the watchfulness of certain eyes about the factory which were always on the alert to reconnoitre that door and never far distant from the commodious windows which gave them power to do so poor sally had found this but too surely in making her attempts and michael had more than once listened to the merry tradition which was a favourite story with the overlookers of how the silly girl had run in full sight of a dozen watchful eyes till her strength failed and she sank down among the bushes and was taken like a bird that having been long confined has no strength of wing left to bear him beyond reach of the first hand extended to recapture him yet this open postern was the only one by which it was possible to pass but the very extremity of the danger of passing it made the attempt easy for though it was always carefully locked at night and the key placed together with those of every external door on the premises under the pillow of mr woodcomb the manager had more than once seen a miserable little head peeping through it when left open for the passage of the wheelbarrow without testifying the least alarm the time chosen by michael for passing this terrible door was that during which the dirty herd were commanded to expose their faces and hands for a short moment to such cleansing as might be obtained in a huge trough in company with a score or two of competitors it was constantly a moment of great noise bustle and hustling and it was in the midst of this that the young adventurer contrived unobserved to push back the only bolt which secured the door during the day leaving it in a position to yield noiselessly to a very slight touch at the sound of a bell which rang about ten minutes after the children were turned out into the court to wash themselves the whole troop hurried back again to the apprentice house for their breakfast it was then that michael often the last to finish the too short operation of washing remained for a moment behind the rest and in that moment opening the door just wide enough for his slender figure to pass he slipped through and closed it after him the interval which elapsed before his departure was suspected certainly did not exceed two minutes and before the expiration of ten the fact was completely ascertained and known to nearly every inmate of the mill mr pullet's second wife to whom he had then been married about three years was in appearance the very reverse of the first being as remarkably small as the other was large but what she wanted in muscle was made up in watchfulness nothing escaped her restless and malignant little eyes and either from the incessant danger of her spying sharpness or the propensity of the human mind to think present suffering worse than every other there were many who declared they would be glad to have her brutal predecessor back again it was this woman who first described the absence of michael from the board hullo where is number fifty seven she cried no one could answer and number fifty seven was sought for in vain from one end of the premises to the other he has gone through the yard door reclaimed the active and intelligent mrs pullet after discovering that the bolt was withdrawn off with you you stupid old fool she added addressing her husband what do you stand staring there for if you had the wit of a jackass you might trace him by his feet on the dew for there are the marks plain enough to anybody that has sense enough to look for em and so in truth there were a continuous track of footmarks were easily traced from the door to the steep bank behind the factory where they were lost in the covert of bushes which had of late years been coaxed to clothe its sides for the purpose of furnishing faggots that some one had recently broken through these bushes was equally evident from many boughs having been torn and the soul beneath them trampled this was enough to direct the pursuit with so much certainty of being right that mr woodcomb laughed as he gave the orders for it 
the bushes last for about half a mile said he and then he must take over the hills of course fine fellow isn't he and it will be hard to take him again won't it there's only three justices of peace for him to be handed to and only every man he meets ready to introduce him the worst misfortune is that i don't quite see where he is to get his dinner two stout overlookers started accordingly upon the track thus easily hit upon and mr woodcomb awaited the results of their exertions without the slightest anxiety or any irritation of nerves whatever albeit he knew that favourite as he was he might run no small risk of losing his place should one of the apprentices really escape but the thing was impossible no one could live without eating not even one who had served his apprenticeship to starving as well as piecing at the deep valley mill so mr woodcomb slept soundly although in ignorance of the fact that michael armstrong was already within a few feet of his premises End of chapter twenty five